Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The pre-med year, session number 391. Hello, and welcome to The Pre-Med Years, where we believe that collaboration, not competition, is key to your success. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and in this podcast, we share with you stories, encouragement, and information that you need to know to help guide you on your path to becoming a physician. Welcome to The Pre-Med Years. Thank you so much for taking your time to join me today. I'm excited to kind of share with you an Instagram live that I did just a few days ago, answering questions and having fun with students. So you get to kind of hear what's going on out in the world of the pre-meds, maybe outside of where you are. That's what I love about social media is that I get to experience what pre-meds are experiencing throughout the whole country and really throughout the whole world. But obviously for what I focus on here in the US and a little bit in Canada as well. So you may have your little bubble at your school and what you're seeing and what your advisor is telling you, but it's so fun to go outside of that and hear what other students are saying as well. So let's go and jump in and have some fun conversations. So first question from Ansha. What's up, Kelsey? Yeah, que pasa? Nada. Como esta? Um, Ansha, will schools accept, uh, will school accept schools with MCAT? Uh, (laughs) Will schools accept students without the MCAT, I think is what you're trying to say, but you typed it so fast to get your question in. Uh, There will likely be some schools this year that will accept students without an MCAT. The ACOMIS uh, kind of um, like publication PR release, press release thing that they gave out with COVID said that there potentially would be some schools. They didn't name any specifics. So I don't know anything. Nate says, just watch the YouTube. So helpful people. Ooh, which one was on YouTube today? Did that one go out already? I don't even know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on anymore. Um, so yeah, if you want to join with me and come on and, and chat with me and ask questions, I'd love to get into some nitty gritty of uh, your your stuff going on. Oh yeah, the MD personal statement versus DO personal statement. That's that's what went live today. So I hope you enjoyed it. Um, more John, what's going on? Codes Magodes with six years of military medical experience with two deployments overseas. How much should I put on an application personal statement about it? So Codes Magodes, go back and watch the last few videos. A lot of talking about application stuff, but ultimately, the application is the story of you. 
and who you are. Not necessarily look at me, look how amazing I am. A, a reviewer will look at your military experience and immediately know a lot about you, right? If you're not discharged dishonorably, although we do know some <laughs> some people that maybe should have been let go or discharged or whatever. But for the most part, if you're in the military, you're probably a pretty cool person. You you have some leadership skills, some communication skills, all, all of that stuff. Um, so the personal statement itself is why do you want to be a physician? So with your military medical experience, you probably will have a lot of that, that leads to why do you want to be a physician? So great. Put that on there. I think, I think that's okay. And then for your activity list, that's where it gets a little crazy because the military, as you know, right, you have so many jobs and other jobs and you, you wear a lot of hats. Do you put all of those on there? Do not. I think you focus on the most impactful ones to you personally um, and, and go from there. What are good resources to use for deciding what schools to apply to? Uh, you and your brain. So I'm going to uh, at some point soon have a, a YouTube video. That's that's actually one I should record uh, soon. Uh, whoop, here we go. Uh, about the um, about how to pick medical schools, right? And so the the process really comes down to um, what schools do you want to go to. At the end of the day, what schools do you want to go to? Now, a lot where where most students, I think, go wrong is they use the standard function of looking at the MSAR and looking at GPA, looking at MCAT score, looking at that median score. And remember, it's median, not mean, not the average. It's median, so the halfway point. Looking at that and going, oh, okay, I'm at that number. I should apply here. That's how most students apply to medical school. And what that does is it perpetuates those stats for the school because students are applying based on the numbers. The schools are accepting those students. Therefore, the numbers continue to show that that's who they accept, right? That's, that's one way to think about it. The other thing that you need to think about is that those numbers do not tell a full story. Are those undergrad stats and a student was accepted based on their master's stats? We have no idea because schools aren't very transparent about it for a few reasons. Number one, they, they, don't, they don't want to be completely transparent because they want to leave it open and, and they want to accept the students who they want to accept. And they don't want to be handcuffed to say, oh, well, our guidelines say we, we will only accept uh, students with greater than this MCAT score. And you were one point below that. So I'm sorry, we can't do that. Right. I, I've seen <laughs> admissions committee members tell that to a student's face at, at a conference saying, you got a 499. We only interview students with a 500 or above. Right? And this was an amazing student uh, who ended up getting multiple acceptances to a school. So that's one reason. The other reason, if you look at, and, th and this is kind of a negative reason, and I know some of you listening or watching this may, uh, may think that I hate the AAMC right now and I'm, I'm just going after the AAMC, but here's another reason, right? The AAMC is a company. And if you look at, over the last several years, 
the average number of schools that a student has applied to has gone up. It used to be 14 a couple of years ago. Then it was 15. Then it was 16. And I believe the last time I saw it was 17. And so let's just assume, right? I'll do some quick math here on my, on my computer. Let's assume that students are applying to three more schools on average, right? Three more schools on average. And that's 36, 42, whatever those numbers are, um, to, to add a school to AMCAS. Let's say it's 36. I forget the number off the top of my head, right? So if that's $36 on average for three schools, that's $108. But then you have to multiply that by 50,000 students, right? That's an extra $4.5 million that AMCAS just made, that the AAMC just made, because students are applying to more schools potentially because the MSAR is a little bit fuzzy with numbers and they don't want to be super specific because then students may be able to hone their school list a little bit more if they're using GPA and MCAT only. But here's where it doesn't really matter in the end because I don't think you should be using GPA and MCAT to apply to medical schools. And yes, obviously you need good stats to get into medical school, good enough stats. And I talk about that um, somewhere recently. Oh, in, in my next YouTube video. So, so next Monday's YouTube video, uh, I talk about the, the good enough stats and where that comes from. The thought process for me is if you are looking at MCAT and GPA and your MCAT and GPA are below the median for a school, yet you love that school. It's a school that you think you would thrive at. The mission is amazing. The The vision is amazing. The research there fits what you want. They have all of the specialties that you're really interested in. Apply to that school because there's something potentially in your application that that medical school wants to see. And you cannot control that if you do not apply to that school. So, what is coming up on 528 is National Pre-Med Day. If you haven't signed up yet, National Pre-Med Day, I'll put it here in the comments. National, with the, the website just went live yesterday, two days ago, something like that. Um, so nationalpremedday.com. If you go to that website, um, and register, then you can be notified of when we go live. It's a 12-hour live stream, multiple live streams going on. One of the sessions is with, uh, I think she's a doctor now, Dr. Sunny Nakai, uh, not an MD doctor, DO doctor, but another doctor. Um, she's at UC Riverside. But I, I've had her on the Pre-Med Years podcast before, and in that conversation, she talked about choosing a school based on mission and fit and everything else. And I just, I loved it because that's what I talk about. She has a book coming out actually in November as well. So you can uh, stay tuned for that, but nationalpremedday.com, we're going to have her there. Uh, IT says I registered. Um, so that's my thought process on medical schools, although I didn't tell you how to. So mission, vision, school size, location, curriculum, lots of stuff like that to see if you will be a good fit, right? If you grew up in Southern California and you hate the cold, don't apply to Buffalo. <laughs> You're not going to be happy if you don't like the cold. So just silly stuff like that. Even if, even if Buffalo is within your stat range, right? you, you want to be happy at a location, a lot of students don't care. They're like, I'm going to apply to as many schools as I can and somebody will accept me, hopefully, maybe. And I, I just don't necessarily agree with that thought process. So 
Um, good question. Good ramble there. Uh, P. Chowdhury, how to get out of a motivation rut when studying for the MCAT. Really, the, the biggest thing that I typically recommend to, to make sure that you stay out of a rut and, and get out of a rut is to continually remember why you are doing this, right? Nobody is studying for the MCAT because they want to take the MCAT. People are studying for the MCAT because they need to take the MCAT so they can get into medical school, get a medical degree, and go take care of patients. So the more that you can think mentally about that end goal, the better you'll be because you're you're remembering why you're doing this. And right now it's hard because you can't, in most places you can't go out and shadow. You're not getting the clinical experience that you used to get. And so it's hard to to continually do that. So that is what I would recommend. <clears throat> what are some things we could be doing during quarantine that could compensate for lack of shadowing, volunteering, or clinical hours? So NABA, um, a lot of stuff going on right now. So COVID sitters is something going on. If you if you search for COVID sitters, they have a bunch of different chapters throughout the country. You potentially maybe could think about trying to set one up. Uh, they're at metalita.com slash COVID sitters, I think is the, the website. Metalita, the, the scrub company, and or not scrub company, the like white coat company. They are hosting uh, the COVID sitters. So that was started by some medical students trying to help. Uh, things like suicide hotlines, text hotlines, potentially virtual scribing, which normally we wouldn't consider clinical experience. But right now, hey, if you can get it, you can get it. Um, thanks for being so awesome. Thank you. Um, do you people with high GPA will apply this year? Uh, people with high GPA will apply every year. That's how it works. I'm having a hard time deciding if I should apply to more than one school via TMDSAS if I have a low GPA and I still don't have an MCAT score. I'm a non-trad, but I think I have a lot of good. So a lot of good extracurriculars is probably the, the extra thing. So MCAT and GPA are the two biggest factors when it comes to determining whether or not you're going to get an interview invite. It doesn't matter if you have amazing extracurriculars. If you don't have the stats to get through filters to, to, to make it on the desk of an interviewer or a reviewer to be invited for an interview, then it doesn't matter what your extracurriculars are. Unfortunately, for most people, that's the process. Because medical school is hard. And just because you have awesome extracurriculars, just because you know in your heart and I know in, in my heart that you're going to be an amazing physician, that's not going to get you through medical school. And so the first step is making sure that students who are being interviewed and who are ultimately accepted, the first part is making sure that they are going to pass medical school, that they are going to pass the boards the first time around, that they are going to pass their board examinations once they are physicians in their specialty. So grades and an MCAT score are very important. So if you have a low GPA, then maybe the thought process is you shouldn't apply this year and you need to fix that GPA through a post-bac, a do-it-yourself post-bac, a formal post-bac, a, a special master's program, another uh, hard science master's program, not an MPH, um, and fix, fix your GPA and then take the MCAT, right? The other thing that potentially could go wrong is you have a low GPA, which potentially means that you don't have the study skills required to do well on the MCAT either. And so now you have low GPA, low MCAT, and you're applying to medical school. It's a waste of money. 
So lots of things to think about there. But ultimately, the question is, what is the GPA? And and where do you draw that line to say, I'm going to take a chance or I'm not? And that's only you can answer that. But the data is out there to show, right? If you Google the AAMC data, um, they have a website showing charts that um, show percentages based on last year or the year before. I think it's the last three years, maybe. I forget. Um, it, it has percentages of students who are getting in based on MCAT and GPA. Now, obviously that's historical data, so that doesn't mean that is what your chances are. And we don't know a lot of the story behind those numbers, what the trends look like in the GPA, what if it's multiple MCAT scores, whatever that looks like. Um, but that's potentially a good place to start. Uh, how to write the 700 versus 1350 character portions of the most meaningful. I, I think both are stories as much as you can. Uh, the most meaningful also having a, a bit of reflection about why it's meaningful for you and uh, why it's important. More on numbers, like I scribed for these many hours are more like stories. So the hours are going to be in there. The when you, when you enter an extracurricular, you put the total number of hours, so you don't need hours in there, but I would focus on story. Hobbies for comas, stories, 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 stories. The answer to everything, stories. Humans love stories. That's why I talk about stories so much. As, as humans, we just, we're attracted to stories. Stories are memorable for us. So um, stories all the time. All right. If any of you want to come on with me while you're watching live, ask a question, dive down deep into what's going on with you, let me know. You can ask to or request to join with me. Uh, I was supposed to start shadowing a physician. Uh, do I put a, these hours? No, you don't put those hours into your app. You didn't do it. You don't put the hours in. Uh, a lot of students have been asking that. New York City still under quarantine. We won't be able to take the MCAT. Therefore, how is this being taken into consideration? It's not. Students who can't take the MCAT won't take the MCAT. Students who can, well, uh, LA is potentially in that situation as well. So let's see. We'll go live with Coral here. If Coral is there. Uh, planning on applying next cycle, take the MCAT this September. Will med schools look at me taking the change MCAT differently? They shouldn't. It's a normal score. Hello. Let me turn on my sound. Hello. I'm good, Cora. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you doing now this time? Oh, I'm hanging in there, trying to trying to run some companies, make an awesome technology platform for, for you all, this maps.com, but uh, having fun. So what's going on? Where are you? So um, I finally got an MCAT date again after it was canceled three times. <laughs> so <laughs> that's been stressful. But um, I have a question, and I think a lot of people could relate to this question. Um, if you uh, have a good GPA, yep, but you don't have your MCAT score in yet. Apply. You still apply? Apply. Yeah, it's it's just like any other year. You still apply, and medical schools will see that you don't have an MCAT score. And it's a little different this year because a lot of medical schools are going to be reviewing applications without an MCAT score, which typically doesn't happen. They'll wait to review an application until your application is complete, meaning your MCAT score is in. And would you still recommend like applying? Um, as soon as possible, even though you don't know if you're in that MCAT range for certain schools? 
Um, so one game that a lot of students like to play, and, and initially when I, I learned about this game, I was like, that's that's silly, just apply to schools. But I understand it a lot more now, and I, 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 I'm empathetic to why students do it, is they play the apply to one school game. And that means you put one school on your list and some people recommend putting like a reach school, which I don't really like the term reach school, safety school. I don't normally use those terms, but that's what people say, right? They say apply to, to a big reach school that, that it's, it's a long shot anyway. That way, when you do reapply, you're not a reapplicant if, if something goes wrong. Uh, number one, being a reapplicant isn't a big deal. So, so that, that's just silly. Um, but what, what you potentially can do is you, you select one school on your application. You submit your application as soon as you are ready. Don't don't you don't need to rush it so it's ready on day one. As soon as everything opens, you can you can submit it a week after or whatever, right? So yeah. you submit one school so that your application gets verified. So for students who who don't completely understand this, you click submit. AMCAS then and ACOMIS as well. TMDSAS has a different system, but AMCAS and ACOMIS will then look at your information, make sure that your transcripts are in. Once your transcripts are in, somebody actually verifies all of those uh, data points for schools and, um, and courses that you have entered. And so somebody is looking line by line by line at your official transcripts and what you entered to make sure everything is okay. And then it gets verified. It gets that stamp of approval put on it. And then the application goes out to the school. This year for AMCAS, not until July 10th. Typically, it's that third week in June. For Comus, it's, it's this, the second week in June, typically. So apply to one school. Get your MCAT score back. When are you taking the MCAT? Um, July 7th. July 7th. So your score would be back roughly the 21st, right? Yeah. That, that two week turnaround. Thank you, MCAS for uh, MCAT team for turning around the, the MCAT yeah. score fast. And thank you so much for um, doing whatever you can to get their attention. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. It's not working. Uh, I, I sent an email to, to a, a colleague the other day and he didn't really like my email, but um, I, I, I did what I had to do. Um, but anyway, the, at, at the end of the day, apply to one school. And when you get your score back on July 21st, you go, Oh, that's exactly what I wanted. And then you can add all of the other schools to your list. They will immediately go out to the schools. You'll get secondaries back from most of the schools because they don't screen most of them. And then you turn around your secondaries. So what you should do post MCAT is plan on getting a good score, hopefully, right? We always want to plan on getting a good score, plan on getting a good score, plan on adding all of those extra schools to your list and pre-write those secondaries, right? Secondaryapps.com, all of those secondaries are there. Make sure you write the COVID essay as well. And, yeah. and when you get to that score, then it's great. <laughs> a student just said, wait, it's only two weeks to get a score. Yes, right now uh, with COVID, they're expediting scores two weeks through the August 1st date. I don't know why not until the end of the year, but that's what it is. So that's okay. the other thing. Uh, uh, Heal the text says the other benefit is if you get a score that you don't like, you can save money by not applying to all the schools. Yeah, that's it's a money saver is, is ultimately the is, yeah. is that game. I think that's also really big concern is you know, are you going to put that money down for, you know, it's like taking a risk with people who can't really afford yep. to apply to all the schools, not knowing what their score really is. Yep. So, yeah, I agree with what you said. But I also have just one last question to yeah. ask. 
Um, so I know, like, for me personally, I struggled with general chemistry a lot. Um, and I was hoping to kind of show improvement on my MCAT, but I don't have my MCAT. Yep. So do you think that they're going to take that into consideration or are they just going to look at your GPA if that's what you're sending in right now? The, they're always going to look at your GPA. And so if your GPA yeah. isn't very strong, then that may be an issue no matter what MCAT score you get. Um, yeah. So uh, the very common question I was, I was potentially going to do a video on this is do, does a great MCAT score <laughs> overcome a weak GPA? And I don't yeah. like to think of them like in balance, uh, mm-hmm. uh, balancing each other, but uh, obviously a good MCAT score always wins. You always want as good of a, an MCAT score as possible. Um right. But if it's just like one class that you struggled with or general chemistry that you struggled with, yeah. organic chemistry, whatever, then you getting like a 128 on the chem phys section isn't going to go, oh, wait, oh, she fixed it, right? She knows chemistry now. <laughs> medical yeah. school isn't chemistry, so it's not that big of an issue. And, and every medical school will have their own way of evaluating scores and, and courses and MCAT and whatever else. So I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get that micro in your kind of, uh, evaluation of what you should do. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate all your help. Yeah, you're welcome. Have a good one. Thank you. So, um, somebody asked, don't you want to apply early? So I talked about if you get your score back July 21st, roughly, and then you add all of those extra schools. Remember that the schools didn't get your, your applications until July 10th. And so, and so when the AAMC did this, they said, oh, good news, guys. We're going to help you. We're going to delay the transmission of that, that first wave, I call it. The first wave of applications to schools until July 10th. Most schools that I talk to don't start looking at applications until late July or early August anyway. So it didn't really help from the school standpoint. Yeah, it helped that you could potentially be in that first wave, but it didn't really help in the big picture. So um, so July 22nd, not a big deal, or 21st, whatever it is. But the bigger picture is nobody really knows what the schools are doing. Most schools are probably going to be pushing back their timelines, making sure that students who want to be evaluated this year will be evaluated this year and uh, are, are going to do that as well. Is Acoma still laying though? No, they're not because it just doesn't matter. Uh, neither is TMDSES. So, um, all right. So let's bring someone else on. Let's go, Jonathan Holmes. What's going on, Jonathan Holmes? Um, I'm waiting for an article to drop. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, hello? Hello, Jonathan Holmes. Hi. Um, I have like a, three questions. Three? Only one. Yeah, they're, not, no. they're pretty <laughs> short. Um, Let's go. I'm a non I'm a non-traditional applicant. I'm probably like way older than everybody. I'm 33. Um so I know I feel like ancient. <laughs> You're not I ancient. I already have like a master's degree. I have an undergraduate degree, but I'm right now completing my prereqs. Okay. Um, and in doing my prereqs, like I I struggle to figure out like how medical schools will evaluate my application because I already have a master's degree, but then I'm going on to complete these prereqs, and next year I'll be done with my prereqs. So I I I don't know how is. Uh, um, 
medical school going to assess my application um, with like having grad school GPA, like undergraduate, like how is that kind of seen? It, it all counts. So okay. when, when you apply, you put every class you've ever taken okay. ever and what the schools do with it is completely up to them. So when a student looks at AMCAS, when you, when you download your application, it, there's a nice little grid of freshman year or high school, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, post-bac, master's. And w- that looks pretty for you, but schools just get a bunch of data and they manipulate the data, show the data, filter the data however they want. And so for someone like yourself, they may only look at your prereqs. They may only look at your master's. They may only look at your undergrad. It it depends on the school. So at the end of the day, the goal is always upward trend as much as possible, right? To to show that you're prepared. Yeah, that's what's happening right now. I mean, my undergraduate, my first undergraduate GPA, I guess I'll put it that way, was not high. I wouldn't say it's it what was, was it? a three point one. It's just me and you. 3.14. It was a three point one four, okay. right? Yeah. Um, but mind you, this there was sickness, death, tragic, like death of family members. But I'm not going to plan on putting any of that in um, my like essay or anything like that, just because I just feel like it's too traumatic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel, but then like my graduate GPA was a 3.82 and currently I have. In what? My, what was the master's degree in? My master's degree was in secondary education for students who are deaf and hard of hearing. And I got um, okay. a content concentration in Spanish and Portuguese. Okay. And um, so I had like, I had deaf ed, but then I also had language on top of that. Yeah. Um, and so I, not a, not a science degree, the, the first master's. No, no, not master's. at all. Okay. So these, these right now are my current science uh, courses that I'm currently yeah. taking. And I've gotten all A's except Sweet. one A minus. Uh-oh. And, um, <laughs> yeah, but like everything is an upward trend. I just Perfect. used my um, spring semester Perfect. GPA. How many, how many credits do you think you'll have when you apply oh, uh, of God. your new, of your new, like new classes? I don't even know. Uh, like I'm 20, 30? Probably, I'm trying to think. Probably around 40-ish. Okay, probably. great. You're, then you're probably fine, right? 40 credits of close to a 4.0. You've proven yourself. There's there's no okay. issue there. Because what I worry about is because right now my GPA is a 3.44. So don't like don't look at your cumulative GPA. Okay, so right. that's what I was worried your, about. Your I'm first like, undergrad is going to drag you down. Don't don't okay. worry about that. Your your post back is awesome. Your your trend is amazing, and and the story is amazing, right? Your your story isn't one of I started off pre med. I don't at least I don't think it is no, right. I started no, off pre med, and I ass. yeah I started off pre med and I struggled, I struggled, I struggled, I struggled, and then I figured it out it was. I was doing this other thing. Grades don't really matter. So I just had fun and did my thing. And then once I found what I wanted to do, I, I buckled down and look, I did it. Right. And, and that's a yeah. very common story. So you're, you're cumulative. And, and that's right. Going back to what I was talking about earlier, if, if you were watching then, uh, was the, the whole point of like looking at the MSAR and applying to schools based on MCAT and GPA, right? Your cumulative GPA is going to be relatively low compared to what schools report, right? A 3.4. Right. That yeah. Don't, it. don't look at that because the story is missing from that number. The story is skyrocketing GPA because you finally found what you want to do. Okay. Cool. Right. 
Yeah, and, and three point four isn't bad anyway. So that's what I was because it's not <laughs> typically like how I perform, but I was just like, there's some surrounding things yeah. that were causing that, and so I'm just like, okay, like I want to be able to prove myself to show, like, yeah. have upper trajectory, um, that sort of thing. Um, but then like, so that was my question because I wasn't sure if I needed to take like another year to take upper level science classes to hit like a three point eight something and then apply to med school. Like you, the the math would be astronomical for for how many credits you would have to take because your denominator okay. is so big i wouldn't worry about okay, it okay that's what i wasn't sure about okay then my next question was okay how do they feel about like w's like withdrawals because my not grandfather died last summer not a problem I, Okay. Not a problem. I wasn't sure. Unless, I mean, unless you're withdrawing every year. No. Right? No. There's like this pattern of withdrawals and then you take it at a community college because the four-year college was too hard. Not a problem. Okay. And then I think I think you answered all my questions. Like Sweet. One. So um, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. I, I truly was worried about that and it was causing me a boatload of anxiety. So thank you very much. Yeah. Have a good one. How are you too? See ya. All right. So... Close that out. Um, Silencio says, even if it's in senior year, I'm, I'm uh, guessing you're asking if a W. Uh, yeah, even if senior year, right? W's happen. Uh, I withdrew from two courses, I think, in college. One was a, a like a history of music or some sort of music course that I like completely forgot when a test was. And so I obviously failed the test because I didn't show up for it. And I think I withdrew from an economics course which uh, now running some businesses I probably should have stayed in, but that's okay. Um, all right. Anyone else want to jump on? Let's see here. Who's, who's waiting to join me here? Uh, let's go live with Kylie. Um, flower arrangement class, uh, 3.5 pre-med post-bac, am I uh, forked? No. Hello, Kylie. Um, so let me answer that question real quick, Kylie, before I jump on with you. So 3.5 post-bac isn't a great post-bac GPA. It obviously depends on where you're starting with your undergrad GPA as well. But the goal with any sort of secondary kind of fixing GPA programs that you're doing is as close to a 4.0 as possible. So are you screwed? No, you just take more classes. You look at potentially a master's, et cetera. So Kylie, what's going on? Nothing really. I'm, I actually was just studying for the MCAT and I've been stopped. I stopped to. No, get off. Go study. <laughs> this is a good break though. All right. Good. Um, but my question is, um, so I've been doing a lot of activities that are sort of short, short term. So not only do I work in healthcare, but my grandparents and I have been like uh, sewing masks and doing things of that sort. And I also organized like a toy drive. So I have a lot of short-term experiences that yeah. I'm not sure how to kind of chunk together. I have tons of long-term experience yeah. too, so it's not really the issue. I'm just not sure how to sort of put it together in an activity section. Are all of those short-term activities related to COVID? Um, no. So I did like a toy drive for my children's hospital. I did a Band-Aid drive for the children's hospital as well. Uh, most but not totally during COVID time at just no, random no. other times. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you you could potentially just put like a, a a general volunteering activity, and then and then just kind of tie together some stories and highlighting different things that you've done. That's that's completely pause, plausible. Or if you want to go in depth on one of them, the majority of people applying, if they are filling out all fifteen spots, 
probably have other stuff that they've cut out, especially for non-trads who have a lot of life experiences and careers and everything else, then things don't make the list, right? They, they end up on the cutting okay. room floor. And, and that's okay to do. You don't have to squeeze everything in and make sure that they, they know every minute of, of every day that you've spent doing. Um, so that's, that's fine as well. And you just, you Could highlight I? the ones that you want to talk about the most, that you want to write about the most, that you're mo- most passionate about. Could I mention, if it doesn't make the cut, would I still be able to mention it in my personal statement or something that if I had like a meaningful experience? Or do you think that would be something that you would definitely try to push in the activity? If session? if you're putting it in your personal statement and you're, you're saying it's that meaningful, then it probably should be in your activity list. Okay. Even if it's, see, the thing is, is it's like a short-term experience, but it was super meaningful, but it's not a whole bunch of hours. So I'm, I just feel a little bit weird about saying does, that. does that experience. So remember what the personal statement is about. Why mm-hmm. do you want to go to medical school? Right. So mm-hmm. if it is a, a, an impactful experience, cause it was cool and you helped kids with their toy drive, whatever, right. Maybe that doesn't go in your personal statement. Cause that's not mm-hmm. necessarily why medical school or why, mm-hmm. why do you want to be a doctor? It's, and, and you're trying to, to paint another narrative of, Oh, look at how giving I am or how much mm-hmm. I am involved in service or whatever. So just be careful mm-hmm. with that. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. You're really welcome. Go back to the MCAT. When are you taking it? Uh, I'm taking it in January, but I'm just doing content review right now. Ooh. So, yeah. Gunner. All right. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day. You too. Bye. All right. Med schools will look at your application if you meet their cutoffs. All right. We're going through. Can't compare. Good stuff. Don't compare. Don't compare. Don't compare. No. Do not compare. Um... You know, the tech, I'd received some of my letters of rec during secondaries. What not having the letters in would do delay your application. Uh, would not having, yes, it would. Um, so some schools will wait for your letters. They definitely will. All right, and let's see who else wants to come on here. Having fun. We'll go for a little bit more time here. Let's go with uh, Emily. I don't know how Instagram orders the list. Is it like the oldest at the bottom, the oldest at the top? Anyone know how they order the list for lives on uh, for, for people that want to come on? Anyway, any advice from med students starting first semester online this fall? Just keep keep doing what you're doing. Hopefully, uh, just make sure your your schedule is good, right? Start building in since it's online. I don't know if they'll have set hours for you. Um, but I think you really need to, um, make sure that you just have your, um, your process in place. What, what does your day look like? Um, requests, uh, let's go with Kelsey. Hello, Kelsey. Zoom you. Yes. Zoom you. Definitely. Zoom MD. <laughs> uh, it's funny cause I've been thinking about online medical schools Dude, I did not know I was coming on. You selected requests to come on. <laughs> I know. So sorry. What's going on? Not much. What's up? Just hanging out, having fun. Hey, so my question is, should us um, 2021 applicants start thinking about um, doing the online interviews or should we just wait until they make like a statement saying they're not so 
um, at the, so if you're applying this cycle, that's what you're saying. So if you're applying this cycle, should people applying this cycle, Emily, I'll come back to you. Uh, just request again. Uh, should people applying the cycle be prepared for online interviews versus yes. in person? Yes, I would be prepared. Uh, during the pre-med forum the other day, they all but said, be prepared. It's, it's likely going to happen. Sweet. So does your book address that? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I definitely would do a video. And, and what I'll do, likely, I haven't really announced it yet. I, I thought about it the other day. So I, I have the the like online um, mock interview platform where you get to practice your yeah, interview yeah. answers. Um, I'll probably just make that free for, for everyone this cycle. Um, it only has like a, a bandwidth of 800 people, I think. So um, I'll have to figure out how to divvy that up or what I, what I can do there. So, um, but yeah, Sweet. I don't have any more questions. Okay. <laughs> I'm studying. Go study. Good <laughs> and luck. Watching at the same time. Thank nice. You. Bye. All right. Um, is medication aid caregiving considered clinical? Yes, it is. Double MC even thinks so. Does applying early to medical school help you get in there? Seems risky. So early decision is risky. Um, early decision doesn't mean that you can have lower GPA, lower MCAT score, anything like that. You really have to uh, have good reasons for why you are applying early. And typically because you have good, um, uh, good connections to that school that you're applying early to. What's up, Emily? Hi. How are you? It worked this good. time. How are you? I'm good. What's right. your question? Um, so I'm pretty new to this whole process. Yep. Um, but so I am actually, I went to university a few years ago and I ended up dropping out. I was not ready to go to school. And yep. then I ended up getting married and moving across the country. <laughs> and then I'm going back to school now. And I contacted my pre-med advisor, and basically I was told that I could only go to the one school that they are partnered with. <laughs> uh, so I was wondering if that is at all the case, because, or if that is worth doing. It's an early assurance program that they want me to do. Is that worth looking into at all? It, it depends. Do you want to go to that school? Um, <laughs> nope, that, yes. that's a no. So, so that, that delay tells me that's a no, that you're not completely sold on going to that medical school. So then I, I wouldn't look at early assurance or you could look at early assurance, look at what the requirements are and what is it actually assure, right? Some early assurance is we'll give you an interview. Some early assurance is we'll give you an acceptance. It depends on what the assurance is. The, the other thing to think about is what is the, the contractual requirement of that assurance. When you sign up to say, hey, I want to be considered for early assurance, are you contractually saying, I won't apply anywhere else this cycle? Do you know? Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a, you apply in the sophomore year and yep. from what I was told by the advisor, it reserves you a seat as long as you meet the prerequisite requirements okay. through your time through the university. Okay. Is this AT still? I'm sorry. Is it AT still? Is that the school or no? Uh, no, it's okay. uh, Northeast Ohio. Okay. So 
it, it depends. If if you want to go to that school, great. I, again, so the, usually those early assurances aren't, and and I'm saying that with like a question mark. Uh, I don't think they're contractually like you're contractually obligated to go to that school. You you may be. So so double check that. If you're not, there's no harm in doing it because then you have a seat at a medical school, assuming you maintain the GPA and, and get whatever MCAT score they want if, if they want that as well. Um, and then it still leaves you open to go to other schools, apply to other schools in the future. Okay. Make sense? Yeah. Thank Sweet. You. Yeah. Question. All right. Thank you. Good luck. Thanks. All right. <clears throat> Let's keep rocking and a rolling. Um, letters of rec from MPs or PAs. I wouldn't use them. Uh, letters of rec from physicians. Letters of rec from professors. What should I do with a 3.3 GPA? I don't know what you should do because I don't know. And I talk about this all the time. What is the story behind that 3.3? Is it a downward trend? Whereas as my, my new colleague, um, uh, uh, Dr. Wright says, is it a downward trajectory, upward trajectory? It all depends. Um, guys, do me a favor, go to mapped.com, sign up to be notified of when we go live with our amazing technology platform. A lot of your questions we're hoping to build into this platform so that when you go and you add a letter of recommendation, so you'll have a contact list when you add a person that you think you're going to ask for a letter of recommendation and you put that, that his title is a PA or her title is an NP, it'll raise up a flag to say, Hey, you probably shouldn't get a letter of recommendation from an NP or PA. You'll put in your courses. It'll automatically calculate all of your GPAs. It'll show you all of the trends. It'll give you feedback on potentially what you should do. So that's the the fun stuff that we're working on at Mapped. So it's mapped.com, M-A-P-P-D.com. The website just went live today, um, but it'll be a little while before the actual application is ready. So mapped.com all right anyone else that wants to come on with me go live with uh let's see who we got coming on of house islam hi dr gray hello um, what's your name mohammed mohammed i could guess remember oh there you go mohammed what's going on Going good, going good. I'm um, getting ready to apply. Really nervous. Yeah. Did um, Did you know that Muhammad is like the most popular name in the world? Yes, I did. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, it was a good shot if I if I would have guessed Muhammad. But so, what's going on, Muhammad? Nice to see you again. Yes, yes it's a pleasure to see you too. Um, I'm registered. My my initial exam date was April fourth. Yeah. But COVID canceled it. Yeah. And also, I wasn't ready. Yeah. Uh, so right now my new date is August 1st. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm also getting all my stuff ready. I'm just worried if that's yep. late or. Are you still scribing? You were scribing for the ERs there, weren't yeah. you? Yeah. Are you still yeah. scribing? Yeah. I'm still scribing. Um, How, yep. How's that scribing like in New York city? I, actually, I just gave you my res, uh, res, resignation letter <laughs> today. I'm moving to a new, new position as a patient care associate. So I'll be doing more hands-on stuff. Okay. Patients yeah. yeah. Higher risk for getting COVID. <laughs> but actually, I'm going to oncology, so I'm not going to be dealing with patients okay. uh, with COVID. Cool. All right. So well, that's that's a cool upgrade. Um, so what's your question? Oh, yeah. On my MCAT, I re-registered to yep. August, August 1st. 1st. Yep. 
So would I be late or no? If I, I have I, to. August 1st, this cycle is completely fine. I, I would still apply early, right? Don't uh-huh. don't delay your application until you get your score back. At least doing that, apply to one school game, uh, do that game. And uh, when you get your MCAT score back mid-August, go, okay, I got the score I want. I'm going to add all the, the other schools. But remember, pre-write those secondaries so you can turn those around uh, as quick as possible. Okay. But but your August 1st date, get that out of your head. It's not an issue this cycle. Yeah. What, what if I move it down later, even further down? I'm so scared. It's it's pushing it, right? You're pushing it because August 1st is the last expedited date um, okay. where they turn around your score in two weeks versus four weeks. I don't know why they didn't do. Uh, obviously, they probably have extra um, kind of manpower, woman power, people power to um, to expedite those scores, whatever they're doing to do that. Um, but the, I would have loved to see all of the test dates, this cycle have expedited scores. Okay. Um, and in terms of the deal application, um, yep. I haven't started that yet. And I was told that like deal applications, they're really lenient. I don't know. If, like, so lenient lenient in terms of the deadlines. So uh, the D so. the DO deadlines are typically a lot later um the the a lot of do schools will accept january mcat scores on a normal year in a normal year so uh i i still because the applications are very similar you can do them side by side and and typically be okay okay all right so i'll start with my acomas too then yeah yeah so just just one final comment about your mcat date don't take the august 1st date just because it has the expedited score. Take the MCAT when you're ready. Now, the problem is that most people never think that they're ready. So you really need to, to use as much objective data as possible uh, using your QBank scores, using your full length scores, whatever data that you're getting, use that to determine when you're ready for the test. And with the MCAT, uh, with the WMC waiving all the rescheduling fees and everything else for this year, that makes it easier that you can go a little bit later to determine if you're going to take August 1st or not. Sounds good. Thank you so much. All right, man. See you. See you. All right. So I'm going to wrap up here and just cause I'm, I'm pushing up on the hour limit that Instagram is going to cut this off anyway. Um, Really just uh, some stuff going on. Oh, the uh, the MedPage Today article is out that uh, I think I'm quoted in. Double uh, AMC under fire over issues with MCAT rescheduling. Pre-med students waited hours online after computer snafu. So interesting. I'd like to go read that. Um, so that was just out. I, I spoke to that reporter last week uh, about everything that was going on. So um I hope you have a wonderful day. Again, mapped.com. The E was too expensive, so no E, mapped.com. Go check it out. New amazing technology platform that we're working on to to really answer so many of your your questions and, and help guide you in this process. So thank you for coming on with me. I'm releasing this as a podcast episode on the pre-mid years. If you don't listen to the pre-mid years, DM me and mention, I don't listen, like the first thing that you write in your DM, I don't listen, but I want to, and I will show you how to to listen. So have a great day. I'll talk to you later. 
This is MedEd Media.